Welcome to the EchoCast, episode 103. This is a podcast about The Division 2, its community, news, speculation, and updates about the game. I am Bond Diesel. I do Division stuff, such as this podcast, Twitch streams, YouTube videos, a few other things, and they're all mostly about Division 2. Today on this podcast, we will have a state of the game recap Division 2 re-review-ish, gaming news, E3 getting shut down, listener questions, and we'll wrap this baby up. I want to thank this month's Patreon supporters, Benny, Hassan, Christian, Darren, Justin, Tim, PK, DJ, Jimmy, Tony, and Dale. Just a reminder, if we hit 15 patrons, I will get rid of the mid-roll. If you'd like to support the podcast or my other content, please check out patreon.com slash the echo cast okay so jumping right into the state of the game this week we had chris uh taking over for hamish yannick drew and trick uh and they were all to talk uh they were all on to talk about the warlords update season starting up issues with the game right now and a deep dive into the difficulty conversations that are going on so this one uh, just as a heads up didn't really have a ton of new information um, this is actually the first time I wasn't able to live tweet um, the the show in months. It's been a while, so um, I'm sorry about that if you pay attention to that. But I was in a meeting um, with the time change. The stay of the game is later in the day, and it means that I don't. Um, I'm I'm gonna have meetings at that time, so I'll do the best I can. Sorry. Um, they talked about a Tuesday patch that fixed a few small issues in an incoming Thursday patch. I'm recording this on Wednesday, um, March 11th. Um, the patch that's upcoming is going to help out with some of the issues with the clan name list and NPCs not dropping materials. It's not the big thing everyone wants. It's not all the big fixes, but they're going to do these piecemeal as they can. And I suspect here in probably a couple of weeks, we'll get like a big patch that involves client side. Um, and we'll get into that here in a moment. Um, they did do a deep dive into um, like a long list of issues in the game uh, with gear and guns and lag and the DZ. Um, I'm not going to get into every one of them. I'll just basically say if you've seen people moaning and groaning about it on Reddit or Twitter or YouTube or Twitch, they addressed it. I feel like they hit almost everything I've seen people talking about. So it's not going to happen overnight. Unfortunately, as much as all of the armchair developers on, on social media seem to think that if they were in charge, it'd be done tomorrow. It's not the way it works. They're going to prioritize. Um, and I think people need to realize that just because they don't take care of an issue immediately, there's some things, especially things that like, involved in ex exploiting the game and things like that, that they are going to take care of that immediately. Um, there may be other important issues like gear sets not working correctly or talents not working correctly. Um, that may be really important, but uh, it seems like when they prioritize, they mix the prioritization 
between how quickly they can fix something and how important that thing is. And if there's something that's a little bit less important, but they can fix really quick, it seems like they kind of try to balance that out. So just keep that in mind. You know, we all want most of these big issues fixed and, um, you know, they'll get to them probably sooner than later. Um, let's see. Uh, they didn't give any specific timeline on the patch or any changes. Um, but like I said, it seems like they're kind of shooting for the next couple weeks. Um, then they talked about the difficulty discussions that are going on. So if you aren't privy to social media, then one, congratulations, you are living life the right way. Um, <laughs> uh, but in two, you know, you'll basically, there's been a big discussion about, there's some people, and this happens all the time with, with this community, there's some people who like the way the game has changed, um, that's really, really difficult, and have kind of dug their heels in, and have said that, no, this is the way it should be. And then there's most people, I think, who are like, well, it's a bit much. Um, and, and if you can't tell from my pretty obvious bias which side I stand on, um, the thing is, is that I... I do think that they are kind of trying to retrain everyone. Um, title update seven and before you could take a pretty random build into like challenging content and just blow through it. Um, you could even take it into heroic content and do pretty well, especially with a team. Um, and that's not the way the game should be. So when they talked about the difficulty and, and all this stuff, they talked about it. In technically three parts, but really two. Um, the first one they just came out and said the dark zone PvP. Um, they yes, time to kill is way too fast. Um, I think they said it's just, it's people are dying as quickly as 0.2 seconds, which is nearly a blink. <laughs> you know that's that's um that's not fun for anyone. And and that's actually a time to kill that I would find not very fun in like Call of Duty. Um, I bet that there's not many situations that you die that quickly in Tarkov, which is like known for its one taps. So th they, they acknowledge it. They didn't give a timeline quite yet, but it seems like they acknowledge that there's an issue there. That said, I, th I hope, and I, it seems this is how they're looking at it. I'm hoping that they don't go full the way it was before, because in the, I kind of enjoyed PVP in this game at first, and then all of the super armor meta came and people had, I think people with talents were getting like 800 K of armor, which now obviously doesn't sound like that much, but you know, before it was. And so, you know, they obviously, you know, time to kill in a game like this that involves skills and theoretically cover use. Um, and then all of this stuff, you know, people, in my opinion, I people, want a chance to react and if it, say someone starts shooting me from the side if i make a perfect play to dive and get behind cover or to get behind a corner or you know and then i can take care of myself and then engage and then we have a fight that's how i think the pvp should be in this game um you know obviously the opinions differ pretty heavily on that some people don't care at all some people i would argue care too much or only care about pvp um, I think that's kind of its own issue that maybe we can talk about a different time. Um, but the, the dark zone PVP time to kill, they seemed like that was a very clear issue and that they're going to take care of it. Uh, hopefully reasonably soon. 
Okay, and then they move to the more um, chonky part of this conversation. So um, if you've been paying attention to, like I said, social media, there's just been a lot of conversations happening about the current time to kill and group scaling and stuff like that. Um, and a lot of the conversations, unfortunately, have been, I think, like pretty disrespectful and, and not very um, constructive. Um, it's, at least in my opinion, the way things should go is uh, a person gives their opinion. Someone either asks them to explain their opinion more clearly in a certain way or gives their opinion uh, in, in, a, in response. And then both of those people say, you know, I don't agree with you, but I get where you're coming from. Or, well, what if this or what if that? And try to come to maybe even the middle ground. Unfortunately, that's not what happens. And um, this this PVE difficulty discussion just harkens so hard back to when the first raid came out. And there were, and I'm just going to be kind of a dick about it, but there were a bunch of Destiny elitists <laughs> who thought that, you know, we have done raids before. Therefore, we know everything. And you silly little plebs do not have opinions. So shush. And, um, it, you know, the, the discussion then was along the lines more of, you know, there were a, a lot of people in the community saying, hey, I, I don't have seven people to play with. Um, a lack of any type of matchmaking um, is, is making this content nearly impossible for me to play. Um, the problem here is people got stuck on the word matchmaking. Uh, we won't get too deep into that whole situation, but long story short, what's interesting is that there, there was a, there was a number of people. It's up to you and probably your, your opinion on what percentage of people who were just vehemently defending the way things were. And then there were other people, you know, saying, Hey, like I get it, but that's maybe not the best way to do it. And with this whole PVE difficulty thing, it's been like that. So, so what I gather, um, well here, let's talk about what they said and then I'll rant. So what they talked about here, um, they kind of broke it into PVE difficulty, like how strong your enemies are and how much damage they do to you. And then a separate issue of group scaling. So basically what they came down to is that they feel like the hard mode of the game, whether you're in the hard mode of the open world or hard mode missions and things like that, they feel is in like a really good spot. Like that's, um, for, for, for the people who have gear, who can do that, that's, that feels good. And I would say that hard mode right now feels like somewhere between hard and, um, and challenging before title update eight. Um, they did kind of mention that there might be some specific archetypes or specific named, um, and elite NPCs that are way overtuned, um, even at the hard setting. Um, but for the most part, the heart is kind of where they want it. And I'll even say, I think especially the red and even the purple enemies are in a good spot here. For myself, I've caught myself multiple times dying because I'm trying to face tank a purple. Um, and I shouldn't be there. They have most of their armor. I don't. And I have a skill build with not that much damage. But before, in Tidal Update 7, I could face tank these guys and wipe them out. Because I had 55%. Well, I guess the damage to Elite wouldn't help with them. But still, I was doing a lot, a lot of damage and they were dying much quicker. Um, so hard mode, they seem pretty happy with. The challenging mode, is, it seems like where some of the issues come up. So, um, you know, they, they, they want to make clear that, and this is kind of where the retraining comes in. 
you know, the, the way people were able to just solo speed run everything up to heroic, basically. I mean, even that some people were able to dominate it. It just, it, that's not the way they want the game to play. Uh, and, and it was really nice for me to hear them talk about their vision today, because I think there's this misconception by a lot of people in the player base um, from big quote unquote, big, you know, creators all the way down to the dude with one Twitter follower who just tells Julian to suck his D all the time. You know, like there's this misconception from the top to the bottom in this community that they're making the game for, for one person that they're making the game for you and whatever you want is what you should get. And that's not true. Um, I've said it before. I'll say it again. The way I look at this game in most games is it's like a band making an album. Uh, the band has a certain sound. There's a type of music they like to make. Um, and over the years, they've gotten input from their fans and what they like and what they don't like. And, you know, they, they try to do things their fans will like, but they also want to do stuff that they like and that satisfies them. And this game, I, I've argued for a long time that I'm happy when I see them make decisions for them and their vision for this game um, so that people can find this game who appreciate that vision and not necessarily to stroke every single person who paid their 60 bucks for the game and thinks that they deserve the world. So when they were talking about the challenging mode is, you know, it's supposed to be challenging. It's supposed to be hard solo to four mans. And the one thing that they pointed out is the mistake they made is that they balanced the challenging mode with characters who had God roll builds from top to bottom. And what it seems like they're finding is that people are kind of blowing through hard mode and not feeling much of a challenge there. And they have like 60% optimized builds. So they're doing pretty good. They have the right brand sets they should have, maybe even a nice exotic or whatever. They've got, you know, a gun that's pretty well decked out, has maybe one God roll on it. Maybe the other ones are decent. You know, you're talking about people who have builds who have like, like a third of their rolls are God rolled, you know, and then the rest of them are like 50% or maybe a little better, maybe a little worse. And the problem is that if, if the challenging mode is the next step up from hard mode, it should probably be trying to satisfy the type of player I'm talking about and not the type of player who's maxed out, decked out on everything. Cause that, that player, if someone has a build that's decked out to the gills, they should be playing heroics and legendaries where they'll find a challenge for sure. Um, and so I think that I, I hope, and it seems from what they were saying that the challenging mode is going to try to maybe satisfy that player. I was talking about that has a pretty good build, you know, too good for hard mode, but not quite maybe ready for heroic and legendary yet. Um, so they do intend to kind of tune down the challenging mode a bit. Um, but they do want to make sure that, yeah, like unless someone is basically ready for heroic, that they shouldn't be like speed running challenging missions. Um, they did basically say that heroic and legendary they're super happy with. Um, they, they think that that's as challenging as it should be. I've seen people talking about doing, I think it's the legendary, like Capitol Hill mission or something. And it took them like six hours. So I'm going to be straight up. Uh, you will never see me pulling that. So I hope they have some cool rewards behind that because those people deserve them. And I am not going to be there anytime soon. Um, 
Now, what they did say, though, is through some of the changes that they want to do for everything else when it comes to especially elite NPCs and named NPCs, and then some specific um, archetypes that they said. I think that one of the war dogs they said is not behaving the way they want, and there's a few things happening that shouldn't happen the way they do. Um, so, you know, the heroic and legendary may be made a hair easier unintentionally, um, but they straight said, and I actually really appreciate this, that... The heroic and especially legendary modes are not meant for every player in the player base. The hard mode definitely is normal, obviously. Challenging, I would say, is what most people should make their goal. Because you can get great gear in the challenging. Even hard mode, I still get pretty darn good gear. Um, then they talked a bit about the co-op scaling and how it's just simply not acting right. And it is going to get tuned down. Um, they pointed out that they can't necessarily... They wish they could just add more enemies that aren't buffed, um, but because of game reasons and because of um, just limitation on space, they can only do that so much. So instead of adding more enemies, they add more health and more damage to enemies. Um, and that sometimes doesn't feel very good. So it seems like most people are kind of under the impression that the solo and two man up to like the challenging level is okay but then once you get the three and four even so here's my story i did a four man um oh whatever the tunnel mission is for kajika in new york and um it was okay we got through it okay and then we got about halfway through and that's when the rogues came out and i'll talk more about them in my re-review um but four rogues came out. I think it was four. It might have been five. I don't know how that... I don't know if it sends one more out than your group. I, I haven't seen them enough yet. Um, but we didn't kill one of them. We were all alive. We all had full health and ammo and everything. And we got one down to like one armor blip. And other than that, they just mauled us. Um, now, that's partially because those rogues are really good. It kind of seems like the people I was playing with were a little shaky, but man, <laughs> it was rough. Um, and, and that was kind of their discussion about that. Um, they did say these changes will be coming like quote unquote soon, you know, ish. I, don't, I probably shouldn't quote that. I don't think they said that specifically, but that's the impression they gave. But this is the stuff that's going to require the client side. Um, so especially when it comes to the Xbox and PlayStation approval processes for patches it's just you know they probably aren't done with their fixes yet they'll probably take maybe another week or two and then they'll have to wait you know probably another week for certification of the client patch so i would say hopefully around the end of the month we get um we get some kind some kind of patch and fix and adjustment um and they also kind of pointed out that they may do the changes kind of gradually so they may like you know adjust it a little bit and then see how it feels and then go on from there. This is where people like were blowing up chat saying, Oh, you should have done a PTS. I mean, if you look at all the media and everything that happened, they, they had a plan for, for that release day for months. I mean, it, it wasn't going to get delayed. <laughs> so, um, sometimes the beast is bigger than, than, than the devs. And it seems like they probably had a, a pretty, um, a pretty strict guideline of, of when that patch was going to drop, whether they liked it or not. So I don't know. I hope, I hope their explanations of everything kind of calm people down. 
there was there was a lot of like really antagonistic and kind of silly banter between people of you know kind of you know knocking on solo players and and vice versa and it was just just a bunch of armchair developers all screaming at each other who won't impact anything at all it's just uh, people are bored or whatever i mean i've been there i'm not innocent i can say i've been one of those people before but at the end of the day it it, it, even when i do it myself it, it still cracks me up sometimes to realize how you know half the people who get shitty with each other in the community and stuff like that just have no impact on the game. They, they're just having their own ordeal. <laughs> but I do hope that kind of their explanations, I, I think that the information they gave us should have satisfied kind of people on both sides. Um, but, you know, it, it can you can only satisfy people so much, uh, you know, especially in this community. Uh, as for everything else, I mean, I think the Dark Zone thing, if they fix that up, I'd love to make a good Dark Zone build and go in there and start killing some people. I really want to level up Conflict. Like, it's such a stupid little side thing that I want so badly, but I want Conflict to be so much more popular. Um, is it ever going to happen? I mean, at this point, probably not. Um, but man, I'd love to be wrong. So, yeah. But you want to know what I'm not wrong about is this 30-second mid-roll. Okay, so um, for this whole second section, I'm just going to do kind of a maybe a little bit deeper look into kind of like a, a Division 2 re-review, um, kind of taking Title Update 8 into account and kind of looking at where the whole deal is at. So I made a big list of different things that we'll kind of um, go go through and uh, and we'll do that. So, so story. Um, so... A lot of people complained about the story of Division 2 after it came out. They felt like the characters weren't as memorable. They didn't like the storytelling as much. Um, I'm not in that boat. Um, I thought Division 2 told a really great story, especially if you um, if you count all of the side intel and things that you find on you know yourself. Um, I actually I think that both stories were uh, you know pretty similarly impactful. Um, of Division One and Division Two, and by that I mean like not very. <laughs> um, the, I still will argue the environmental and the kind of auxiliary storytelling has always been the strong point of Division. Uh, I don't think the you know the the cinematics and the cutscenes and the and the you know all of those things have ever been that compelling, even in the first game. I mean, Candle, uh, you know, Benitez, Rhodes, Feilau, all these people you know, cool, <laughs> you know, um, they, they're, they're memorable for sure. They're great. Uh, even the enemies leaders in the first game were pretty memorable with Pharaoh, um, and, and, and bliss and, oh, now I can't remember the Rikers one, but you guys will know it as soon as I don't remember it. Um, but like, I still feel like like 80% of the of the kind of look down on the Division 2 story was kind of just a nostalgia glasses um situation where um I think there's a lot of people involved in this in this franchise and in Division 2 who are never going to like another um game as much as they like Division 1 um despite Division 1's failures its faults issues it still has 4 years after it was released you know, despite all of those things, there's still a reasonably large number of people, 
but a minority um, who I don't think will ever get over it, who will ever be able to say like, actually division two does do some of this stuff better and that's fine. You know, that's everyone has their own prerogative. Um, my stance is that um, I, I think that division two carried over pretty well story-wise um, obviously there's some holes, but there were in the first game too. And then you introduce warlords, which um, I think it would be really hard to argue that the warlords little story took me about 10 hours is the best storytelling they've ever done in this game without a doubt whether it was the cutscenes, whether it was you know uh, the end which i am we're going to talk about spoilers so just a heads up if you haven't completed it yet sorry <laughs> um but the way that they you know finally gave us they just concluded a story and then gave us an interesting twist like that was so nice the excuse my french but division one was like the greatest example of blue balls i've ever seen in my entire life where at the end of that story i mean there's some like kind of like huh moments but nothing where you're like no way you know it's it was very um it was not underwhelming but mm, kind of was and then we have warlords come along and we have these four lieutenants have we have these interesting backstories you know they kind of advertise it with these guys are like keener's henchmen and then as you get to learn more about them through the missions and through their intel that you pick up, that most of these four people did not like Keener. Um, Kajika was not a fan of him at all, and neither um, was Dragov. Uh, Vivian, he was lying to her to get her on his side. Um, and Theo was treating him like a dad figure. <laughs> so, man, they were, they were really, I really thought they were great characters. They had lots of media around this release. That was cool too, including like a cartoon, um, and some mock-ups and stuff. The, the cartoon actually kind of reminded me of the apex legends, um, kind of like animated shorts they do. And, um, yeah, warlords just blew it out of the park. Those missions were really fun. I really enjoyed playing through them, especially, um, Kajika's mission was, uh, with the, the underground tunnel borer machine that you fight through. It's just, God, that was cool. Um, and then the final mission, I've seen people have their criticisms of it. I thought it was great. Um, if you haven't played through it and I'm spoiling, I'm sorry, but basically you, um, they, they kind of pulled a original division two story thing where I knew that black tusk would be in New York, but I didn't know when. And basically what happens, you kill all four lieutenants you find out that Keener is on Liberty Island where the Statue of Liberty is. And as you're going there to take a, a ferry to go confront him, um, Black Tusk shows up because Black Tusk wants to kill him for double crossing them at Coney Island. So you end up going through this ordeal where you're fighting Black Tusk, who's trying to get Keener. So you're inadvertently helping him by keeping them off his tail they drop a freaking Razorback, the boss from the raid, and you have to attack and kill a Razorback. I did this solo. Now, obviously, it wasn't as hard as the raid, but it wasn't easy either. And I did the story version of the mission, um, obviously, your first playthrough. Um, and then you fight their last Marauder giant rocket drone, and that was crazy. And then you do this just this this little mission inside of the the, the, the base of the Statue of Liberty. That looks like it was a shade safe house. 
if you look at some of the stuff, I need to go through that mission again more slowly and appreciate some more things. But um, to me, it looked like it was a like shade like operation center at one point. Um, but I don't I don't really know. So um, and then you have your final fight with Keener. Keener, you know, he was distracting you with all of these lieutenants that you were hunting. And he basically was making this. I think it was a missile. I'm pretty sure that had his concocted new virus in it. And he was going to wipe out New York again. And so you have to stop him. And you do. Um, he dies. But then before he dies, he activates a rogue network. Which um, gameplay wise essentially means that the rogues are a new faction. Um, and then it activates this whole manhunt thing. We'll talk about that. But that's the end of Warlords if you didn't know already. And it was just so cool because it, it finally concluded the Keener arc, right? So we saw from the first game how he kind of went from just being an agent to being more than that and quote-unquote betraying. Um, you know, obviously, if you haven't seen it yet, you'll know that uh, after he died, it's revealed to us that Fei Lao has defected um, the Shade, uh, the Division, and is now working with Black Tusk um, and has a mission to destroy the Division now. <laughs> um in intel that you find in warlords you find that fei lao um was really angry about her sister getting killed um in um uh, hell's kitchen it sounds like they set up a settlement in hell's kitchen and she passed away in, a, in an attack there and fei was kind of out for blood ever since that happened and she was basically willing to work with whoever she want she had to to get that blood and so that made sense for her to go to black tusk but then her sudden hatred of the division kind of surprised me, but that's fine. <laughs> so, um, but her, you know, her turning was kind of a bummer and I'm glad that all y'all who think that Kelso is a traitor keep getting proven wrong. You basic. So yeah, so now I think most of the characters have a lot more depth. Um, I, I will say that I was kind of surprised after you finished the warlord story I really thought that when you went back to DC the first time, there'd be some type of scene between like you and Kelso and Manny of like, oh man, that was crazy. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, we're back here now. Um, but there isn't. I suspect that there's going to be some type of story drop in the future um, in DC. And that's actually the last part of the story section here. It's talking about the ongoing, what I think is going to happen. So there's a few things that I think are still yet to be addressed that are pretty big. Um, who the leader of Black Tusk is. I don't think they were trying to make Fei Lao the leader or expose her as that. Um, but maybe uh, I will say that earlier like in the Division 2 story, there's multiple times that there's Black Tusk people talking to their boss, who we don't know who it is, and I believe it's a female. So there's, I guess, a chance that Fei Lao was working with Black Tusk even before the events of Warlords. Um, it's absolutely possible. Um, one thing I noticed is that if you're, if you listen to the ambient chatter of the, um, the peacekeepers or whatever they call themselves, uh, the, the, the civilian faction in New York, um, they're sympathetic to the black tusk. So it seems like the attitude about black tusk there isn't like super duper negative. Um, except for when they murder them, of course, but uh, so moving on, I think that they're obviously going to go down that path of Fei Lao, you know, leaving and becoming 
um, part of the Black Tusk. Um, they still need to kind of figure out Waller and finish up his arc. Um, I think a lot of people, I've seen a lot of people still say they think he's like a, a leader. He's obviously a pawn <laughs> from the way they treat him in his Black Tusk missions. Um, so we've got the castle that we still need to bring back. Um, I think that's going to be like a plot point at some point. Um, and I think it'll be interesting to see. So this first season, which we'll talk about seasons in a moment, um, involved this rogue agent who I know gets mentioned, but apparently she's the leader. She's the leader of the rogues and they are coming to DC to do something. And little hints are getting dropped and stuff. And, and right now we can find uh, Neptune, who's one of the lieutenants. And there'll be three more lieutenants released over the next few months. And then we'll fight the big baddie, the main one. And what I'm interested in is what happens after that. So I assume the next season is going to be five more you know, new people to do a manhunt with. And I wonder if they're ever going to do like a manhunt that involves like cleaners or like outcast or if it's always or if it's just going to keep being more of these division agent um, rogues which is what my guess would be maybe culminating in Lao. i don't know how i'd feel about fighting her and killing her that'd be interesting um, but i'm wondering if that's what's going to happen is if they're going to do a final season and it's going to be Lao as the culmination and then that's when we have either already found out or will find out about what I think is coming eventually, which is Division 3. So we'll have to wait and see. Uh, Gameplay-wise, I mean, I think I've talked a lot about this through State of the Games, but we'll still kind of breeze through it. Um, the locations, um, the New York City map is just awesome. Um, I am one who actually is a bigger fan of the DC map than I think a lot of people are. I think it's great. It's really iconic and very cool. I like all the different areas and how different they are uh, but the new york city map just had some nostalgia to it it was really cool um i was very very impressed um activity wise you know the missions in new york city were great the control points i actually don't like I, they're they're like too sprawling um i definitely much prefer the control points maybe it's just because i'm familiar with the dc ones but um the hunters man <clears throat> so the hunters are interesting i I, obviously, I love the Hunters. In Division 1, my favorite activity to do was, well, survival to fight the Hunters. But I really loved 1.8 Underground, where you could run those missions and fight the Hunters. They're just cool. They're just fun to fight because they're scary. And then they started adding Hunters to the Legendary missions in Division 1. And I just, it just made me cringe because they didn't, the cool thing about the hunters is that they're dangerous, but, but, um, fragile and you can kill them. And with the legendary missions in division one, they just made them these like super tanks that, you know, a, a four man team fully decked out in like Lone Star and striker classy. And, you know, all of these bad, you know, these awesome sets would still have to just sit there and just lay magazine after magazine into these hunters and they would heal themselves. It was just obnoxious. And unfortunately, I think in Division 2, they've kind of gone with that. Um, when they first released the game and there were these like puzzles to find for the Hunters, I was like, that's cool. But man, I'd sure like to fight them more than once, you know. 
And then there were even these hunters who would like follow you at night through the map, but they wouldn't fight you. They would just disappear. So when this update was coming, it really sounded like they were like hyping up the hunters, you know? And now it's just, we unlock some hunters and, and then we never fight them again. And I just don't, I don't know. I really don't like it. And then they gave us cosmetics. There was this really kind of, in my opinion, kind of overcomplicated system to get one of the hunter cosmetic outfits. And it, I mean, it looked cool. It just doesn't make any sense for our agents to dress up like hunters. Um, and then there's another set that I think looks terrible. The all black hunter set, I think looks really bad. I don't, I don't, I'm not impressed. I, I think it looks, it just looks kind of janky. Um, and then beyond that, it just seems unnecessary for it to even exist. Um, so yeah, the hunters for me, you know, not obviously of no fault of their own have kind of just been hung out to dry. I think by the, by the devs a little bit. I'm really disappointed in them. I, I don't find the little puzzles. I mean, it's, I'm, it's fun to watch people figure them out, but once they're figured out, they just seem, they seem tedious. Um, and then like, there's one hunter I've faced him three times now. And for various reasons, I haven't killed him one time. He killed me. And then the other two times, um, other parties got involved and it got to the point where he just ran away. And even though I was chasing him and engaging him, he just turned around, threw down a smoke bomb, and just disappeared. Like, that's not fun. Uh, it's, I don't, I don't know. If there's a way to continue fighting hunters by bringing them out in a different way, whether it's just random interactions at night or something, then that would be great. You know, maybe they can drop some kind of cool loot or some special cosmetics. Um, but the way that they're like monetizing the hunters basically. And then the way that they've implemented these kind of these riddles again, that again, they're cool until they're found out. And then they're just kind of tedious in my opinion. Um, I don't know to make up for that. What we've gotten are rogues. And obviously there's been rogues in the DZ always. And there were rogue agents in division one who fought for the LMB. And then there was that one random dude who we fought in that subway in the South uh, east part of the map of New York. Uh, Asher, I believe was his name. Um, but now they're like a thing. And as I talked about at the end of the story, essentially Keener activated what was called a rogue network. Um, and it sounds like basically there were just like hundreds of, I guess thousands of rogues out there kind of waiting to attack. And now they're, they're out. Now, if you read the comic, I think it was, there was some allusion to this in that some of these people had worked for um, Black Tusk, but not all of them. And they're, um, so what I'm getting at is that basically um, either in the middle of missions, um, after you take control points or just randomly in the open world, you can run into hunters. If you run solo uh, rogues, rogue agents, if you run solo, there'll be two of them. And they're tough. They're essentially hunters that I think are way scarier in most ways. Um, I mean, they've been some of my favorite encounters in this game, and uh, especially in Warlords. So as much as I'm kind of disappointed in the way hunters have been treated, this rogue, the, the rogues I think are great. They make up for it for me. So, um, but yeah, uh, it's just, you know, all that stuff is great. Um, the gear 2.0. I think is awesome. I'm starting to get a feel for it now. I'm getting more comfortable. I'm getting loot that I actually want to keep. Um, obviously, it's not perfect. There's lots of bugs. 
there's the, the issue with difficulty and stuff like that. We already talked about that. Um, but I think the system overall is much better. The gun, new guns and stuff like that are great. Um, I wish some of them were a little more powerful or a little more useful. Uh, the one thing about the guns that I'm still not a fan of is that the damage rolls um, have a range. But they didn't put a UI element that tells you how good of a roll it is. Now, I've heard conflicting things. I'm too stupid to figure this out. But some people have said that they do have static rolls. But depending on how good the attributes are on them, that's how it differentiates. But then other people have told me that if you have two guns with the same talents and the same attributes on it, they can have different damage. So if that's the case, I don't like it. <laughs> I wish that they would. I, I'm fine with the with the guns dropping with different ranges of damage, but there needs to be like a UI indicator. Like, oh, you just got a a god roll mk16 with the best damage roll that you can get on that gun um with pvp is the next section i'm not really going to delve into it because i haven't messed with it um with the time to kill being the way it is um, i'm kind of waiting to, to see that shake out and i'm kind of waiting um for them to address a bunch of issues with gear and things like that i don't want to dive into a build get super into it and then find out that you know there was something else I should have been working on. So then, you know, as all things do, uh, you come to like the reception of it. And there was a, there was a nice solid two or three day honeymoon with this patch. It was the best game ever made. People were so happy. Everything was hunky dory. Thank you, please. May I have another, uh, and, and then the correction happened. Then the honeymoon was over and, um, for various reasons, um reasonable and maybe some not um you know obviously like i would just suggest not going to the subreddit <laughs> if you still manage to go to that cesspool um if you're listening joker it's not your fault you can't choose who's there you guys do an excellent job of moderating that sub but yikes <laughs> um and that's fine that's the way this game has always been it's how most games are it seems like these days couple days honeymoon and then reality sets in when the game isn't perfect but um the, the release bugs were a bummer um it just seems like it's kind of a pattern for this game every time there's something really cool there always seems to be something some kind of chink in the armor um so there are safe house issues that some of the echo errors where people weren't able to log on the fact that console players weren't supposed to be able to play until their local midnight but when the patch dropped, they were able to play and PC players weren't, which to me was some kind of karmic justice. But, you know, obviously I'm not happy about anyone having difficulty. Um, it was just kind of a little bit of a mess. I mean, obviously, if you listen to what I've talked about, I'm glowing about this patch in this content. But, you know, unfortunately, I, I think at some point you just kind of accept that this is the way things go with this game. And um, if you don't like it, then you may just need to move on because it's probably not going to be the last time it happens. Um, but yeah, so, I mean, I don't know, just to kind of summarize, I just, it was a great patch. I really, really, really enjoyed the story. I see where they're going with all of the big changes. I think that they're mostly really good. 
Uh, I am kind of excited to see them rebalance things a bit and tune things a bit. And then I'm excited to see some new stuff. I, I'm, you know, I, the seasons thing, replacing the episodes. I mean, I'm going to have some expectation that when episode, that when season two drops, there's going to be some significant changes. Maybe that's when we rebuild castle. That could be a whole thing on its own. Um, maybe it's when we learn more about the black tusk or whatever. So, um, I, I hope that, that there, you know, there's more to this than these seasons are cool. They can keep bringing new stuff. They can keep doing new things. People will love that. I will love that. I'll play the crap out of it. Um, this game has surpassed division one for me, especially with this patch. Um, but they can't just get comfy with that. Um, so the future of the game, I'm kind of curious. I still fully expect division three released in probably 2021 would be my guess. So I'm hoping between now and then we have lots of seasons and things like that. The way that they've been treating division two in theory, they could just keep releasing new areas and patches and revamping the game. It's what people have always wanted them to do. I just don't think that's Ubisoft's model. I think that I don't think they're trying to make this into like an, like a world of Warcraft type of game. I think it's supposed to be episodic, but we'll have to wait and see. So, so yeah, warlords is a great update. If you, if you're sitting on the edge and you don't know if 30 bucks is worth it or not, I think the 10 hour story was worth 30 bucks for me. And then everything that you get afterwards, um, I think is worth it. So, all right. So, uh, one bit of gaming news, we found out today that E3 was officially canceled, which is pretty bonkers. Um, I was an Ubisoft star player two years ago, so I got to go to E3 in 2018 for the Division 2 reveal, which was obviously amazing. Um, I will say that I actually found E3 to be a friggin' nightmare, um, if you want me to be totally honest. Um, it's just too crowded, and then I found out that I think the year I went, they allowed like 30,000-something people. I think this year they were going to do like 65 and that just sounds like a freaking nightmare beyond all of the virus stuff that's going on. It just, it was awful. And I, I'm not a big person in the big crowds and super loud and all that. Um, but walking, it, it was great to be there. It was cool to see it. I got to see, um, you know, people, uh, that I would have never have gotten to see. Um, oh my gosh, I'm the worst gamer ever. The big Nintendo guy that everyone freaks out about whenever they see him, he passed within like a foot of me. I think we like brushed arms. Um, and I was confused because this guy kind of, we got really close and a bodyguard type of dude kind of stepped between us. And then there was a trail of like two, I don't know, two, 300 people like just clamoring to follow him. And then I was like, yeah, I probably should have appreciated that moment a lot more. And maybe I should remember his name. Um, but E3 getting canceled is, it's a bummer. Um, as an Xbox fan, I'm really bummed because this was supposed to be Xbox's show. You know, they were going to get to, to be, you know, swing their big old dingling around and show everyone how awesome they are. And that's kind of been taken from them, obviously for good reason. Um, it's going to be interesting. Uh, what, what I'm most interested in is I think that they are going to, suffer not only from the losses of revenue for this year but i think a lot of companies sony already microsoft 
kind of already. Um, all of the big gaming companies are all going to do their own thing now. So over the summer, maybe around where E3 was supposed to be, but maybe not. Over the next few months, you're going to see companies kind of do their own little shows to show what's coming, especially what's coming for next gen. And I think you're going to find that a lot of these companies are going to be like, oh, instead of paying like three million bucks to go do an, a booth at E3, we spent 200000 to do this little marketing campaign and it got us just as much attention and maybe more. So I'm genuinely worried to what this does to E3. The the This is kind of a, it's going to be a time for all these companies to experiment and just see what it's like without E3 because they don't have a choice. And I, I'm a little concerned for E3 about what those people are going to find and that they're going to find that, oh, this water feels just right. So uh, let me know what you think about E3. If you ever got to go, tell me about your experience and when you went. Um, and what you think, you know, down in the comments or in, in my tweet or whatever. I'm definitely curious. <clears throat> we had one question this week um, from Silent Rebel 84 on Discord. Uh, they said, how do you feel about survival, uh, about survival being free to play, cosmetic, microtransaction driven, standalone game in the division world? I editorialized the question a little. Um, and he referenced, or she referenced, whatever you are, I really don't care. Um, uh, they referenced a tweet from some Stephen Ford dude. I'm way out of touch. Apparently he has lots of followers on Twitter um, who he was essentially asking for like a free to play standalone survival game from division. Um, and Julian responded to him saying he would love to do it. Um, and actually kind of threw out the idea of just making it part of division one. And I'll be totally honest. Um, and this isn't, directed at silent rebel at all it's a great question it's a great thing to point out but i'm just so sick of hearing about survival in underground in division one it's over that game is done it's not coming back even honestly seeing julian even propose the idea of potentially making it like free in division one if people want to go back and play it drives me mad that game should be put to pasture, keep the servers up, do your little global events for the people who are stuck on that game. That's fine. But Division 2 has too much potential and has too many issues to be wasting time on a game that's over. It's done. Survival's gone. They said they're not bringing it back. I think Survival is looked at with some very thick, rose-colored nostalgia glasses. Um, it's a cool mode. But one, it's not a battle royale. This person called it, they said it was the best BR ever made. Like, it's not a BR. Every person who goes into that, in theory, can leave. Like, it's not a BR. That's not what that game is for. Um, but I just really, I, I think, I, I appreciate the novelty of survival. I loved survival. But you can only play so much of it. And while some people, it became their thing, and it was their main thing, it seemed like they liked about Division, I think that the proof was in the numbers, and that other than the free weekend and rate when it released, it was a dead zone. I knew you could get into some PvE matches that would be somewhat filled, even late in the game, but PvP, I mean, you were happy if there were like two other people in the whole freaking map with you, and if they didn't die in the first two minutes of the game. So... I mean, my answer is that if people wanted survival so bad, they should have played it. I know it was behind the DLC. 
okay, you should have paid for it and played it. Like, I just don't. It's a frustrating thing for me because there's so much good going on with Division 2 and there's so much attention that should be on it that continuously bringing up this old stuff, I just... Un- until they want to make a new survival, which they've said that they're not currently working on, until that happens, I don't care. And, and I would really like if the devs didn't either <laughs> until they decide they want to bring it back. So I get it. it it's just the thing is, is I know it sounds, I know in people's heads, it's like, well, they could just click a few buttons and just separate survival from division one and make it its own game. I mean, you're talking about developing a new game, you know, and if anything, how lazy would that be to just clip out survival and give us that experience? Um, I mean, wouldn't you want them to implement so many of the improvements division two has? Well, then you're talking about, you know, basically making a whole new game because the things between division one and division two don't mesh easily. And, and then you might as well just make division three and have survival. (laughs) So I get it. Maybe I'm not, maybe I have a bad take. I'm not saying I'm right, but to me, it's just kind of, it's like your buddy who keeps talking about his ex-girlfriend and they've been split up for like five years. She's married and has like two kids He's still like single and hasn't really gotten over. And you just want to be like, bro, the gig's up. You got to move on. And that's how we're going to wrap this show up. (laughs) Please take a moment to rate the podcast on whatever platform you listen to it on. If you want to support the podcast or my other content, please check out patreon.com slash the echo cast. I am Bon Diesel on Twitch, twitch.tv slash Bon Diesel, where I try to stream two or three times a week. Um, and if you want some cool Echo Cast or Bon Diesel merch, check out bondiesel.live slash merch. And last, if you want to, for some reason, follow me on Twitter, it is at Bon Diesel. That's all I have. So until next time. <laughs>